0: Today on Cornerstone Connection with Pastor Gary Hamrick.
1: Because I live for Christ, I want to reflect Him well. There's some things I don't do because I don't want to reflect poorly on Him. And I mean, it becomes an opportunity for you to start to share Christ with people. But if you're just doing everything that they do, Why should they ever be motivated to ask? We party like they party. We cuss like they cuss. We're smoking blunts like they're smoking blunts. We're lying like they're lying. We're gossiping like they're gossiping. Why should they ever care? We have to give them reason to want to ask the question.
0: This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Jeremiah. Why should you live a righteous life as a follower of Jesus? He's already paid the price for our sin, right? We can earn or maintain that salvation by following the law. So what does it matter? As Pastor Gary will remind us in today's message... Our righteousness shouldn't be practiced in an effort to earn God's favor, but instead out of deep gratitude for what He's done for us. And when you live in a way that's different from the world, it'll get their attention, and you can point them towards your Savior. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Jeremiah, chapter 13, as he continues his message, A Life That Bears Your Name.
1: There might be parts of the Bible that honestly are easier to obey than others. There might be some parts of the Bible that come more naturally to you than other parts. But we must never read God's Word and think that this is just a bunch of suggestions. They are not. And we must not read God's Word and think that it's just a list of rules. It's not. It's more than that. The ordinances, commands, and statutes of God are the wise counsel of an all-knowing, ever-present, All-loving God, who A, knows infinitely more than I do, so I better listen up to what he has to say, and B, who is worthy of my praise and my honor and my obedience. Because if I expect to bear his name, I need to know who he is and why he is so worthy of our praise, honor, and obedience. The sure way to dishonor God is disobedience. And the sure way to honor God is through obedience. Jesus didn't put it any more plainly than this. It's John 14 verses 23 and 24. In John 14, 23, Jesus said, if anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. I mean, how much more plain can it get than that? If anyone loves me, he will obey my teaching. Next verse, John 14, 24, he who does not love me will not obey my teaching. So he just puts it very plainly. If you really love me, you're going to obey me. If you don't love me, it'll be shown by the fact you don't obey me. So then we have to be asking ourselves, how much do we love Jesus? Because Jesus says, if you love me, you're going to obey me. If you don't love me, you won't obey me. So how much do we love Jesus? The Christian who says things like, I, don't, I know what the Bible says about divorce, but I'm going to pursue one anyway. I know what the Bible says about sexual purity, but I'm going to fool around anyway. I know what the Bible says about moderation, but I'm going to go ahead and get wasted anyway. I know what the Bible says about forgiveness, but I'm going to hold a grudge anyway. The person who goes around saying stuff like that, or not even saying it, thinking that, is not bearing the Lord's name. You're just bearing your name, and you're mocking the name of God in the process we got to be serious about this as Christians and take to heart what God says in His Word and do what He says in order to properly reflect Him bearing His name in our culture. If we're going to properly represent Him, if we're going to properly represent Christ in our world, we have to... Know the scriptures, grow in the scriptures, and show the scriptures by the way we live. We have to know the scriptures, which Paul said to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.15, are able to make you wise into salvation through faith in Jesus Christ. We have to know the scriptures. That's where it begins. We have to know the scriptures because in knowing the scriptures, then we come to faith in Christ. We have to grow in the scriptures in the same way that we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, 2 Peter 3.18. And we have to show the scriptures... As we shine like stars in the universe, holding out the word of life to a crooked and depraved generation. as what Paul says in Philippians 2, 15 and 16. So we have to know God's word, grow in God's word, and show it to a world who needs to know the love and the hope that come through faith in Jesus Christ. And it begins with us obeying, doing what God says in his word. 1 John 5, 3, this is love for God, to obey his commands. And his commands are not burdensome. See, we have a choice. we could either approach the commands of God and think, "Man, this is like vinegar i don 't like this, or we could approach the Word of God as Jeremiah did, and he, and he says, "This is like, honey, this is sweet, this is satisfying, this is nourishing. Oh, how I love your word, Lord. I received it, I ate it, it was it was like food for me, and it was sweet to the taste, and it was satisfying and, and delightful. I hope I pray that as you approach the Word of God, you approach it that way, Lord." Some of these things are more difficult for me to obey than other parts, but it's all good. And your word is delightful to my soul, and I feed on it. It is sweet to my mouth. Thank you, Lord, for your word. So we need to ask ourselves, does God's word have its rightful place in my life? The second important point about someone who bears the Lord's name is that we have to avoid bad company. Now, he says here in the first part of verse 17, I never sat in the company of revelers, never made merry with them. I never sat in the company of revelers, I never made merry with them. It's very similar to Psalm chapter 1, where it says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, or stand in the way of sinners, or sit in the seat of mockers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. Now, let me, let me qualify this, and I want to make sure everybody understands this. When we talk about avoiding bad company, when you read with me, as I hope you just did, verse 17, when he says, I never sat in the company of revelers. I never made merry with them. He's not saying that I distanced myself from people because I was too good for them. You know, we got to be very careful, and I always try to make sure this caution is woven in with this kind of a point That we should never as the church think to ourselves, we're just one club and we're exclusive and it's hard to get in our club and we don't associate with other people outside of the walls of the church. And, you know, we just need to make sure we only are each other's friends and nobody else's. I mean, that's just that's ridiculous. I mean, we have to be salt and light in the world. God has called us to be a part of, you know, integrating with the world only insofar as we are influencing the world, not so much so that the world's influence on us would cause us to compromise our lives. And we have to be very careful about this This It's a very fine line. The world needs what you and I possess in terms of the love of Christ and the message of the gospel. But if we think that we're just gonna, you know, rub shoulders with the world and hang out and do everything that they do, we're compromising our witness and God's not glorified and His name is not born well. So we have to be careful and what Jeremiah is saying here when he says, I didn't I didn't sit in the company of revelers, I didn't make merry with them. He, he basically he's saying I didn't party. I didn't go around, you know, just indulging with the rest of the world, doing things that the rest of the world does. He says, I was very aware of the fact that my mission was always to influence the world, but I never let the world influence me. I stood above that. And this is why, actually, I think in verse 19, when when the Lord replies to Jeremiah, in verse 19, at the end of verse 19, this is why God says to him, let this people turn to you, but you must not turn to them. Like, I want you to live your life in such a way that you're holding the standard. Don't ever drop it to get down on their level. You live your life for my glory, and you, you walk the higher road, and you help people to come up higher, but you don't compromise yourself to go down lower and this is important for Christians to understand if we're going to properly bear the name of Christ in our world we can't be doing stuff like the world does we have to be very careful about this Jeremiah is saying I was very guarded about the company that I kept he's saying I was very careful about the lifestyle that I lived listen he interacted with his world but he never acted like his world that's the point You and I must interact. We need to share Christ. We can't be this exclusive club. But we have to be also constantly cognizant of the fact that the world wants nothing more than to pull us down to its level. And as Christians, as bearing the name of Christ, we have to make sure that we're guarded and that we're careful about how we live and that we don't do things that might otherwise compromise our reflection of Christ. Because the reality is, How can we ever expect anyone to want what we have if our lives look no different from theirs? How? How can we expect the world to want what we have if our lives look no different from theirs? To bear the Lord's name means, as Peter would say in 1 Peter 3.15, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Well, why should anyone be motivated to ask us if they can't see the hope that we have, because we live and do and act just like they. We have to give them reasons to want to ask the questions. What's going on with your life, man? You're different. You don't don't do some of the stuff we do. You don't talk the way we talk. And, you know, I notice that you don't go to this place and that place. You know, what's going on with you? And you see, that becomes an open door for us to say, hey, you know, I, I love you. And, you know, I enjoy working with you or hanging out with you, whatever. But listen, I belong to Christ. And Because I live for Christ, I want to reflect him well. There's some things I don't do because I don't want to reflect poorly on him. And I mean, it becomes an opportunity for you to start to share Christ with people. But if you're just doing everything that they do, why should they ever be motivated to ask? If we party like they party, we cuss like they cuss, we're smoking blunts like they're smoking blunts, we're lying like they're lying, we're gossiping like they're gossiping, why should they ever care? We have to give them reason to want to ask the questions. Because we have a stand-up life that is different, that honors the Lord, that bears his name well. Number three, someone who bears the Lord's name is willing to walk alone. This is sometimes a hard thing for people to grasp, but I want to point out to you, the middle of verse 17, he says, I sat alone because your hand was on me. I sat alone because your hand was on me. I'm just going to be real with you. The reality sometimes, sometimes, not always, I don't want to paint this pitiful picture of a miserable Christian life, but the reality is that sometimes the life of a Christian is a lonely life. If you're really living for the Lord, there will be times that you will be ostracized by people. You will feel strangely uncomfortable. They will treat you like odd man out. And you will sometimes find yourself alone. And you will think to yourself, this, this seems miserable. I was having a lot more fun when I was, you know, hanging out with all my unsafe friends before I became a Christian. You know, what, what, you know am I resigned to a life of loneliness? You know, what is this all about? I'm not saying it's going to be like that constantly, but I'm saying once in a while we better be prepared for a little bit of loneliness. Because you see, when your values are different from the world, when your convictions are different from the world, when your standards are different from the world, you, you won't be able to fit in always. And when you don't feel like you fit in, you sometimes feel strangely out of place and thus you sometimes feel lonely. You will have obviously Christian friends and your church family becomes some of your closest friends. Uh, But the truth is that as it relates to your interaction with the rest of the world, you will feel strangely out of place at times, and you will feel alone. And I try to tell people all the time, if if you're interested in just being well accepted or being, you know, the popular person in the crowd, and suddenly you're not, and you're going to starve for that kind of thing, you better learn something and learn it quick. Embrace loneliness. It'll become your friend. And no one understood loneliness better than our Savior, because he understood a depth of loneliness like we'll never imagine. When He's being crucified on a cross and all His best friends deserted Him. All of them. They all deserted Him and fled. They were more concerned about saving their own skin than to be associated with Jesus in the hour of His need. They deserted Him. They fled. And when He bore the sins of the world and He took on our sins, that's when He cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because in this instant, in, in this moment of bearing the sins of the world, even the Father... He felt this separation from the Father, even though he was never separated from the Trinity, the Godhead is one. But this distance was felt in his heart because he bore the sins of the world and he he felt that that isolation for that moment. Jesus knows better than anybody what it is to feel all alone and abandoned by your best friends and and still being true to the Father. That's why Isaiah 53.5 says he was rejected despised by men, a man of sorrows and familiar with grief. Because he understood what it was to be completely alone. And if you really want to be a follower of Christ to bear his name, be prepared to stand alone. Or as Jeremiah says here, I sat alone because God's hand is on your life. And not in some you're better than anybody else way, but when God's hand is on you, There's sometimes where he just, he wants to separate you for his purposes and for his glory. And so Jeremiah says, I sat alone because the Lord's hand was on me. God was doing something in his life and in order to preserve Jeremiah's life, Jeremiah understood. "I, I just can't be doing everything else everybody else does. The Lord's hand was on me, so I sat alone. And Christian, we need to recognize that sometimes there will be lonely seasons in your life As a Christian, when you determine I'm going to live differently than the rest of the world, though they might ostracize me, though they might, you know, no longer include me in some of their fun and games or whatever. okay, fine, because I'm living for a higher purpose and I'm serving the Lord himself. And God's going to take care of me. And it'll be in those times of loneliness that Jesus will show himself to be your very best friend, your very best friend. Number four, got two more real quickly. Someone who bears the Lord's name shares God's feeling of indignation about sin. The end of verse 17, Jeremiah says, And you had filled me with indignation. The word indignation is used in every modern translation. It is the Hebrew word za'am. And za'am literally means to froth at the mouth. So that's a picture of real indignation. Somebody's so stirred up, they're just frothing at the mouth. And it is a word that is used in Scripture to express God's displeasure with sin. So those who bear the Lord's name should be distressed about sin. Sin should make us angry. And sin should make us angry because we first look at it in our own hearts and lives. We should be filled with indignation about sin in our own lives first before we're ever angry about sin in the world. And I think this is what Jeremiah meant when in verse 18 he said, why is my pain unending and my wound grievous and incurable? Because he he was he was aware of his own sinful heart. And he says to the Lord, He says, My pain is unending. My, you know, he's grieved over his own sin. Man, I, I hope, I pray that you still feel grief over your sin. The worst place to be is when we sin and, sin and sin and sin and sin, and we just don't have any conviction about it anymore. That's what the Bible refers to as a seared conscience. We become so used to sin. That we just get a calloused heart about it. So when people sometimes say to me, you know, uh, uh, they've been praying to God and saying, you know, Lord, I want victory over my sin. Uh, And they come to me and they're saying, you know, I I don't always feel like I have victory over, over some of my sin. You know what I say to people? I say, if you just never give up, as long as you continue to feel the conviction about it and continue to confess that before the Lord and ask for his help, You're going to be fine. The worst thing is to get to a place where you just have no more conviction about it. And so don't despise the conviction because that's the Holy Spirit challenging us. And Jeremiah is challenged here about his own sin. He goes, my pain is unending and my wound is grievous and and it feels incurable. He's distressed about his own sin. And he realizes that except for God's mercy, his sin would be incurable. And if only the people of Jeremiah's day would respond with the same conviction that Jeremiah felt about his own sin, if only the people of the nation felt grief over their own sin as the way Jeremiah did over his sin, it would have gone far better for them, but they did not. In Psalm 97.10, it says, Let those who love the Lord hate evil. Do you hate evil in our world? I mean, doesn't it anger you to think about how evil is just destroying people's lives? And then more personally, do you hate it in your own life enough to do something about it? Which leads us to the fifth and final point. He says, someone who bears God's name repents from sin and is restored to serve. He quotes here from the Lord in verse 19. Therefore, this is what the Lord says. If you repent, I will restore you that you may serve me. Some of your translations say if you return. But the Hebrew word means here to return as in the sense of turning, because that's the idea behind repent. You know, repenting is coming under conviction of sin. Listen, it's not enough for you and me to be distressed about sin. We have to repent of it. Being distressed is only half of it. Repenting is the other part. Repent in the in the New Testament, the Greek word is metanoeo. And it means to change your mind. In other words, you have to have a whole different mindset about the sin and how much it grieves God, how much it grieves self, such that you would turn a change of mind, a change of course and direction. You would turn from what you're doing and go the opposite direction. And that's, that's the idea behind repentance. And repentance is a word that is commonly used throughout the Bible, especially when you get into the New Testament. John the Baptist, first words out of his mouth are repent. Matthew 3, verse 2, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. First words out of Jesus' mouth in Mark 1, 15, he says, repent and believe the good news. Peter, when he was preaching in Acts chapter 3, he says in verse 19, Repent then, he says to the crowd who was gathered there, he says, Repent then and turn to God that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. You know when refreshing comes from the Lord? is when you're right with Him. And, and you get right with Him by repenting of sin, by turning from your sin, renouncing it, and saying, Lord, I want to follow you, forgive me of that sin. And then the beautiful thing is that in response to that, God restores us. That's the other part of this verse. If you repent, God says, I will restore. You come to me, broken over your sin, and I will restore you, and I will use you, that you may serve me, is what he says here. The only unusable person is an unrepentive person. When we come to the place of humility before God and say, Lord, you, you see this in my life, forgive me and help me, Lord i 'm convicted about my sin, help me, Lord, and forgive me. God forgives, and God restores, and God uses us for His glory there's no there's no unusable person as long as we stay humble before the Lord. He restores you know that word restore we use it in modern terms over furniture, you know furniture restoration and and I love people who have that kind of skill, I just dabble in it, but those of you who really have perfected that skill, if you can find some piece of junk at a a garage sale or some flea market, some piece of furniture nobody else wants, and, and you, you strip the paint, you sand it down, maybe you change the hardware and get it looking good and then you oil it down with some tongue oil and you just get it looking so beautiful and you can take something, you can visually see it when you, when you do this kind of thing where you take just a piece of furniture that's useless, worthless, broken down, piece of junk and you give it a little TLC and it ends up being just something so beautiful. It becomes like a, a piece of furniture, like, you know, in your front hallway that you're proud of now because it's, it's become this beautiful example of something that's been restored. That's what God does with people. That's what God is always doing with people. He's taking the discarded and the people who think, well, I'm worthless and I don't have any good purpose for the Lord anymore because of what I've done in my sin. And the Lord's like, I, I'm anxious to forgive you of your sin. I love to forgive you so that I might restore you and use you for my good purposes. And so he dusts us off and he cleans us up and he sands off the rough edges and then he makes us usable for his glory because God is the God of restoration. But people who want to bear his name must be people who demonstrate these things that we might be a proper reflection of the Lord in our world. Peter said in 1 Peter four sixteen. He says, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Always enough, enough,
0: and you'll find the cornerstones, your connection, run towards your new life. The book of Jeremiah that Pastor Gary has been walking through with you is one of prophecy. It's God's words to a nation that was facing the consequences of their actions. It's a picture of the future, but also a raw and honest look at the present situation. Jeremiah doesn't hide his emotions. And as you continue studying, you'll see his passion for his fellow Israelites and his deep desire that they turn back to God. We hope you'll tune in next time to continue studying this fascinating book with us here on Cornerstone Connection. If you missed any part of today's teaching, you can listen again online at our website cornerstoneconnection.cc. We have a mobile app as well, allowing you to take all of Pastor Gary's messages with you on the go. Find a link to download on our website or search for Cornerstone Chapel in your app store. What a great way to fill your day with truth from God's Word, wherever you are. Do you live in the Leesburg area? If so, we want to meet you. You're invited to join us this weekend at Cornerstone Chapel for a time of worship, fellowship, and studying the Bible with Pastor Gary. Our services are at 30, 10, and 11.45 a.m. on Sundays, and child care is available. So bring your family. You'll find all the information you need about the church on our website. Again, that's cornerstoneconnection.cc. That's all we have for today in our study of the book of Jeremiah. Thanks for tuning in, and be sure to join us again for Cornerstone Connection.